Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. And you've been transferred, and you've been moved into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we are, we are out of this realm of torment and fear and just all of the stuff that is not good. And, and we have been translated. It's like you've been catapulted into the kingdom of his beloved son. So in that, um, it is good news that, that the enemy doesn't have a hold on us anymore. And so in that, I want to talk today about a topic that you're not going to hear talk about a lot in churches. And it's, going to, it's called deliverance, being delivered from demons. It's not your seeker-friendly topic. You know, it's like you have visitors that come into church and, you know, you want to have those nice seeker-friendly messages that makes everybody feel good. Um, and, and it's something that you don't hear about a lot, and I don't know why we don't have more people, preachers, talking about it. But, you know, as we're witnessing revival break out in, in many places across the country right now, which started in Asbury, one of the characteristics that's taking place in this revival is that people are being delivered from demons. I mean, people are being set free. When you were at Asbury, people were coming forward. One of the manifestations of revival is people were being delivered. And that's good news. That means there, there's a power encounter that is happening. And someone is being kicked to the curb. And people are being set free. But why I want to talk about this today, this issue of um, being set free from any demonic activity, is that I really want to demystify the topic. I, I really wanted to understand that um, the Lord commissioned the disciples to really hit this issue head on. It wasn't like they were just, it was just an afterthought or that it was just maybe a once in a while occurrence. It was on a regular basis when Jesus commissioned his disciples to go out. One of the first things that he tells all of his disciples is this, you will cast out demons. That is the first thing. But in some ways, that's the last thing that we think about. We don't think about that just because it's like, well, you know, in some ways we kind of have it in our mind. Well, you know, all that demonic stuff, that's in Africa, you know? Well, you know what? That's not true. The demonic activity that is in Africa, there's just as much in America. But what happens is that, is that the demons adjust themselves to a culture. They know how to kind of step back and, and be hidden and, and not be noticed because in America, we don't think it's a big deal. We don't think, oh, this is this nothing. You know, it's not really a part of our lives. I, I'm a new creature in Christ and old things have passed away. I don't have to deal with dim demons. You know, it's like just I, I, I'm, I'm totally free from them. But or, you know, we also might be not wanting to look at them because Hollywood has painted a really horrible picture of them. And you see these weird manifestations, and it's like, well, I don't want to deal with that. You know, it's like Hollywood has just done a really good job for us. And, but I, I also don't want us to be trying to look for um, a demon under every rock either. You know, that's not our... Our issue is to be looking for demons under every rock. Right. We're to be preaching the good news of the gospel. Right. And so in that, we got to understand that the kingdom of God can expose 
anything. Because it is a kingdom of light. And the kingdom of light exposes the kingdom of darkness. So when we preach the good news of the kingdom, trust me, the kingdom, once it comes upon a people, it is power that releases and and also brings to the light any demonic activity. So the kingdom can do the job very nicely. We don't have to go looking. It will expose it. We just have to show up in the authority that is given us in Christ Jesus and let the Spirit of the Lord reveal it. Do you understand? So you don't have to go and yell all the time wherever you go. You just walk in and your presence, because you've been given all authority over all demons. So if you have all authority, guess who has no authority? Okay. So in that, as we're seeing revival break out, this is what happened in the days of Jesus. Revival broke out in all of Galilee. And it was incredible what was happening. And one of the first miracles that publicly happened in front of everybody was when Jesus, in Mark 1, went into a synagogue. And there was a a person there that was um, demonized, and, and, and Jesus casts out the demon. So what happens? This is the first thing that happens. The people said this, what is this? What is going on? And it says, is this a new teaching with authority? He commands even unclean spirits to come out and they obey him. And then it says, and the news about him went out in all the surrounding districts of Galilee. Revival was on. And it happened because of one, one of the first miracles that took place. And that is when Jesus cast out a spirit of infirmity in an individual. And it was game on. Revival was moving throughout the land. And which is quite evident to even what's happening right now. You see the Spirit of the Lord moving right now in certain regions, in certain campuses, in certain places like Asbury. And it is evidence that the kingdom of God has come. It is the power of the kingdom that has come. When the kingdom of God has come and rested upon a people, you're going to be seeing this kind of stuff happening. So in that, when the kingdom of God arrives, it shakes things up. Remember, it says in Hebrews, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that Only that remains is of the kingdom, okay? So when the kingdom of God is is preached, the word says that in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God does not consist in what? Mere words. Or let's just talk about it. Kingdom is not a kingdom of just, let's just talk about it. The kingdom of God is a message of demonstration, The kingdom of God is about the reign of God entering into the hearts and lives of people, which is the kingdom of light. And when the kingdom of God comes, it doesn't just consist in, oh, let's just talk about this, a nice topic. No, it manifests itself in power. That's when you know when the kingdom is in your midst is when there's power and things are happening. So in that, I want to point out to you that there are two kingdoms right now in our midst. There's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. Okay, so when we come into um, the ministry of dealing with, um, with demons, these two kingdoms are brought right out into the open. 
They're brought right out into the open, these two kingdoms. And in Luke eleven fifteen, Jesus has he's been accused by the Pharisees of casting out demons by Beelzebub, which is Satan. And, and he responds by basically saying, you know, that, that's ludicrous. He said, what are you talking about? He says, if I, by Beelzebub, if I'm casting out demons, his kingdom is going to be divided and it's not going to be able to stand. And, and then in the same discourse, he makes a very interesting statement in Luke eleven twenty. He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do you understand? He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, know this, that the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's the evidence. That's the evidence of demonic activity being revealed. So the, the single greatest evidence that the kingdom of God is in our midst is casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. Because a greater authority and a greater power is present than what's actually going on at this very moment. So you see, this experience brings two kingdoms into the open demonstration. The kingdom of darkness, which is the kingdom of Satan, and the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God. And when they meet, the light defeats the darkness. It's like flipping on a switch. There's no opposition. When the light's on, darkness has to go. There's nothing... There's no resistance. It's just a superior entity. But there are two things that the enemy doesn't want revealed. And one is the reality of demons. Some of us don't even want to think about them. We don't want to even consider it. We don't even want to realize that it is an issue going on all around us. We kind of like want to put our, it's like an ostrich putting your head in the sand. You just don't want to look at it. So he doesn't even want you to uh, realize the reality of the demonic realm. The other is that Jesus has given us authority over the demons. So he doesn't want you even think about them, and he doesn't want you to realize the authority that you've been given. So this reveals the clash between these two kingdoms. And then it reveals the supremacy of the kingdom of God and the victory of our Savior over the kingdom of darkness. So, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, the enemy has been working for centuries and working in the churches trying to suppress the revelation that really there really even is a demonic realm and also that, that, that potentially that this could be stopping us from very, the very ministry that God has called us. He's trying to suppress the revelation because when the two kingdoms are brought out into the front, it is a showdown at the OK Corral. And, and what happens is that the kingdom of God, he basically demonstrates there's a new sheriff in town. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put everybody that's not in my kingdom out. And so that is the authority and the power that is present when God is in our midst. So actually, all of the miracles that Jesus did, all of them, but one of them is previewed in the Old Testament. Do you know that? So raising the dead, healing the sick, healing multitudes, miraculous provision, all of them are in the Old Testament, except one. And guess what that is? Do you know what it is? Casting out demons. Bong! You get the award. All right. 
So that is why it is a distinctive mark that the kingdom of God is in your midst, is the casting out of demons. I love what Derek Prince describes a, a demon, that they are persons without bodies. I want you to understand that. They are persons without bodies. And, and I think it's a good way to kind of wrap your head around it and not to be mystified. So it's very important that you realize that you're really dealing with an entity, a person. They're disembodied persons who are looking for human bodies. And they're tormented and they're, they're in utter fear of not having a body. So they're searching for bodies, human bodies, to inhabit. And if they can't find a body, they'll choose an animal. It's their last resort, like a pig. But they're looking for bodies because they're dismembered bodies. So I want you to go with me to Mark 1, 23 through 26. Are you guys okay with me? Are you okay? All right, good. This isn't to be a real, like, uh, woo-hoo kind of message. It's just, it's, I want you to understand that this is the reality that we live in. And we cannot choose to turn a blind eye to the reality of, of, of a realm that is filled with demonic activity. It's not that we're to keep it our focus, but it's a re- reality all around us. And we have to be in the full armor of God, in the armor of light. We have to be standing in our authority. We have to be denying ourselves. We have to be taking up our cross daily and following Jesus in our ministry. And in that, it will put us confront, it will put us face to face with the reality that there is a realm that we have to contend with and deal with on a regular basis. So Mark 1, 23 through 26. This is really, guys, listen, this is one of the first recorded miracles in the ministry of Jesus, his earthly ministry. This is the first miracle that takes place besides the first one of turning the water into wine. This is the first recorded ministry. So it's very significant. So verse 23, and just then there was in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. That is another word for an evil spirit, okay? Unclean spirit is another word for an evil spirit. And he cried out, and this isn't the man crying out, this is the spirit in the man crying out, saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You know, it's, it's remarkable that, that the demon knew immediately who Jesus was, and it took the disciples about a year and a half to figure it out. I mean, he knew what he was, he knew it. He knew who that was. And it takes us a long time to figure things out. Boy, what was that? What is that? So it took the disciples a long time before they had a V8. Um, And then Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And in the Greek, that word be quiet means be muzzled. He like put a muzzle on him. So so he's not speaking to the man. He's speaking to the spirit in the man. And then verse 26, throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. So there are... There are really three phases that are used interchangeably in, in the scriptures that I want you to understand. It's demons, evil spirits, and unclean spirits. Basically, they're all the same thing. So when you read those things, we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about evil spirits. And, and then it also specifically gives names to these spirits, like you'll hear of a spirit of infirmity. You'll hear of a, a, a spirit of fear. You'll hear of a, a, a deaf and dumb spirit. You'll hear of a mocking spirit. You'll hear of spirits like that in the Scripture, and, and that is what a lot of times we are content dealing with 
and having to confront. And, and you'll notice that um, you know, there was a pretty dramatic manifestation. So he's convulsing, and then the spirit leaves him. And then they're like, what just happened? And they're saying, this is incredible, the authority. He commands the spirits to come out, and they come out immediately. And so then it says the word spread throughout all the region. Revival was on. And so in many ways, this man, there's no indication that he was behaving abnormally before this situation. He basically, honestly, he seems like the average synagogue attender or churchgoer. He seems like your average Joe. He's not just some lunatic, you know, out there. But, but it was in the presence of Jesus and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him that brought out the unseen presence of the demon in the man. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus and, and the declaration of the kingdom that it was exposed. So it would, it would be important for us to realize that we need to continually be walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be continually filled as the early church was to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy, to be continually ministering unto the Lord and, and praying in the Spirit at all times. And so later on in the chapter, Mark 1, verses 32 through 34, we, were, we read kind of a further development of this ministry. So look at verse 32. Verse 32 of, um, of Mark 1. And when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. I, I particularly do not like this translation demon-possessed. I don't think it accurately, uh, this is from the King James Version, the translation of being demon-possessed. The Greek word for, for that actually means to be demonized, not demon-possessed. So the translation, the demon-possessed, has, you know, it's unfortunately obscured the issue for, for, for millions of people on this whole topic. Because, because we're thinking, how can a Christian be possessed by a devil? Do you, do you realize that? We're thinking, how can a Christian be possessed by a devil? But my answer is pretty simple. A Christian cannot be possessed by the devil. Because you're possessed and filled by Jesus. You have the fullness of Jesus in you. You can't be possessed by a devil. But in some areas of your life, you can be demonized where you have opened up the door. It might have been in your childhood. It might have been generational. It might be that just through your sin, you've opened up doors and have access, allowed the enemy to have access in areas of your life. You might be demonized, but you're not demon-possessed. That is so important. Because when you're full of Jesus, you're full of him. It says he lives and moves and have his being in us. And it says in Ephesians that, that when we pray that we are strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner man. Why? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may come to know with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Why? That you might be filled up to all the fullness of God. 
So if you're filled up with all of God, you can't be filled up with anything else. Okay? So the fullness of the Spirit of God is in you. So no Christian can be demon-possessed. But you can be afflicted or demonized because of doors or things that have opened up in your life. Is that clear? All right. Pardon me? Exactly. Or oppressed. So, thank you. So I want us to look at, um, read verse 32. Let's look at this, verse 32. And when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demonized. Let's just put that word in that. I like that. Interject that instead of demon, demonized. And really the New Testament, you know, the New Testament doesn't make any distinction. And Jesus didn't. So almost in, in, invariably, when he dealt with the sick, he was dealing with the demonized. I want you guys to understand this. Because it's, it's, it's all, overall, it's one operation. When you're dealing with the sick, you're dealing with the demonized. Okay? It's a two-for-one package in a way. So in that, and it says verse 34, And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. So, also, I like there's a book uh, Derek Prince wrote talk about how we're to expel demons. And I like what he uses. It, it comes from the Phillips translation, which I prefer it over the King James in, in translating this version. The King James and this version and various others use the word cast out demons. I don't like that because it sounds so violent. It sounds like we're yelling. It sounds like, you know, we're going to wrestle them out and cast them out, you know? It's like, ah, get mean, you know? And the louder we get, then they leave. I mean, it just has weird connotations in our mind. I like what the Phillips translation says. It says, where it uses the word not cast out, it uses the word expel. It's like, if you inhale smoke, you are going to what? Expel it out. If you inhale it, it's got to come out and you expel it out. So it comes out of you, not because you're being yelled at or it's being wrestled to the ground. It just, you know why it's leaving? Because there's a superior authority and his name is Jesus. And when you use that name, it has to go. It doesn't have a choice. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't think, I'm going to think about it. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have an option. Once you stand in the authority that you've been given in Christ and, and you, you command it to leave, it is expelled. It leaves you. That is the authority and power that you have in Christ. So I, I think the other cast out, it has a lot of religious connotations. You know, people being slapped on the head and come out, you know, and just yell that. It's like, it's just, it's just, I like expel. It's simple. It's practical. It's like, it works. And you don't have to like drum it up. It's down to earth. So in my opinion, it best represents what's happening. It's just being expelled. It's being kicked out. It's being kicked to the curb. It's being told to go. So Jesus expelled many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. And it wasn't his time. And they were a nuisance to him. So he'd say, shut up. And they would shut up. So I'd like to read one more verse in the same chapter, verse 39. 
It says he was preaching in their synagogues around all of Galilee, and it says casting out demons. We'll just say delivering people that were demonized. The Phillips translation in this says, too, I like this. It says that he continued throughout the whole of Galilee, all of Galilee, which is it's a, it's a big area, preaching in their synagogues and expelling demons. So listen, so he's going about all of, all of Galilee to all the synagogues, and it says, and he's expelling demons. So this is what Jesus was doing. This is what he was doing. He was going into these synagogues. And, and I like the fact that it says that, he, that Philip's translation uses the word he continued, which represents a, a, um, a certain tense in Greek. He was, this is what he was doing all the time. It brings out the fact that this just wasn't an isolated, dramatic event made for Hollywood. This was something he was doing on a regular, regular basis. So if this was important to him, as his disciples, should it be important to us? So we have to kind of get this whole thing out of our mind that is such a hokey thing. And realize that it, for a Christian, it is, it, is, it is normal. Because why? Because we're being delivered from a dominion that I read in Colossians. We're being delivered from a dominion of darkness that was tormenting. Before we knew Jesus, you were tormented. You might not realize that, but you were. So it was a regular practice in every synagogue. And so two things were happening. Jesus would go and he would preach the kingdom and he would expel demons. These are the two things he was doing in all, of synag in all the synagogues. So he did it throughout all of Galilee and there must have been hundreds of synagogues in Galilee. So think about it. Hundreds of synagogues, and all he's doing is preaching the kingdom and expelling demons. And guess what? Revival was breaking out. It was happening. And so a lot of people, you know, have, I think, have this attitude that demons is a rare and exceptional thing for weird people. It's for all the people that are in jail and that they're on street corners. It's those kind of people that need demonic deliverance. It's those people that you're seeing that are asking for money on every curb in Asheville or they're in the prisons. But that's not reality. That's not reality. He was visiting the synagogues that had Normal, nice, religious people attending on a regular basis who went home, tended their garden, went fishing in the Sea of Galilee, took care of their business. They were normal people that he was setting free from demons. So it's not your weirdos on the corner. It's your everyday normal Christian coming to church, and those are the ones that might need some deliverance. So we do not need to get the impression that a person who needs deliverance is either a criminal or a maniac. The same kind of people that Jesus was dealing with today, it would be like Jesus going and visiting every church in Asheville, and he would be going in and preaching the good news of the kingdom and casting out those who were 
that were demonized. It's all around us. I mean, the reality is some of you here could be struggling. Some of you here could be demonized. And don't, don't get weird out on me. The reality is, is that, you know, whether it be whatever the opportunity happened, a door was opened. That's why, you know, when you're, when you're not a believer in Jesus and you're living like hell on earth, you know, you're open game to the enemy. And, and just because you received Jesus, yes, you've been translated into the kingdom of light, but sometimes you need to come to terms with something that you need to repent of and renounce and kick to the curb. If something is controlling you and you cannot stop it, it's evidence that there could be demonic activity in your life. So, so we're dealing with average Joe people. We're not looking at the weirdos that are the ones that are demonized. So I want to um, look at the same incident in Scripture in Luke 4, verse 40 and 41. Turn with me there. Luke 4, verses 40 through 41. While the sun was setting, all those who had any, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many shouting, you are the son of God, but rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. I don't want us to read anymore. So, so I want you to see that the ministry of healing and deliverance are, are interwoven. They're together. So in that, they, they came because they were sick, but in many cases, their cure demanded the expelling of, of evil spirits. Do you understand that? They came because my arm is hurting. But the reality was that there was something demonic that was attached to them that was causing the arm to hurt. Okay? So notice that Jesus laid his hands on every one of them and they were healed. So now I want us to look at um, Luke 13, 11 through 16. Luke 13, 11 through 16. This is another incident in another synagogue later on. This is your average housewife. I don't know. You know, it, 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 verse 11 says this, And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. Do you understand that? A sickness that was caused by a spirit. And she was bent double. She was bent over. And she could not straighten up at all. So I want you to understand that what caused the woman to be bent over was a spirit of infirmity. An evil spirit that doubled her body over so she couldn't straighten up. And when Jesus saw her in verse 12, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. Be loosened. And the, the word freed also means be loosened from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made erect and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, oh my, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, as she is, whom Satan had bound for 18 long years, should she not be released from this bond on the Sabbath day? This is a believing woman. This is a believing woman. She's a sister 
of Abraham. She's a believer in God. She's a Jewish. And she's a member of the synagogue. And she had this terrible physical problem that her back, she was bent over. I saw someone the other day walking on the side of the road. And, and he, was, he was walking like this. I mean, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't move up. He was walking just like that. So she was bent over and had a terrible physical problem. And her back was bent over. And it was not primarily a physical problem. That's what we need to understand. It was caused by a spirit of infirmity. That's why she was bent over. And the moment the spirit of infirmity left her, what happened? She straightened up. She came right up. Now that demands discernment. A discerning spirit. That does, that, there's a gift of discernment that you can have when you know what you're dealing with in a person. You need a gift of discernment to discern the spirits that are in operation in people's lives. When Jesus dealt with dumbness, deafness, and blindness, all of those were caused by evil spirits. The, some of the blind, it was a spirit of blindness. Those that were dumb, it was a spirit of dumbness. So he cast out the spirit, and guess what? They were healed. Their eyes were open. I, um, for many years, uh, I, I think I've shared it with you all, that, that my spiritual mother, Dolores Winder, had, um, she battled with osteoporosis, that it was almost 19 years that she was um, in a full body cast. And, um, no, 17 of those years she was in a full body cast from her neck down to her hips. And, um, and she had that because her bones were breaking in her body. She had four spinal fusions uh, where they had to fuse her spine back together. All this was caused by osteoporosis. And then she had a percutaneous chordotomy where they burned all the nerve endings in her brain so she couldn't feel in her whole body. But her whole body was breaking down. And I was, I'll never forget that I was sitting with her in her living room. And, um, and she, she said, you know why I was sick for 19 years? And I said, no. She said it was a spirit of infirmity. And she said when I went, when she went to a Catherine Kuhlman conference, and when she was um, totally healed of where then her whole body she could feel again, which was a miracle, but she was delivered from a spirit of infirmity which was a generational iniquity that her father had. He had the same problem on the T13, T12, the same, you know, where, where the bone would basically, it would, um, it would be a shell, basically, and then it would break down. Well, then her father, her father's father, had the same thing, but it was a spirit of infirmity being passed down through generations. So in that, um, it was a spirit of infirmity that caused her to have this osteoporosis. So when she was set free of that spirit, she was also healed. Do you see? So in that, so we read a little further in Luke 13, verses 31 through 32. And this is, um, this is really, this is the last, our glimpse of the ministry of Jesus. But in verse 31, just at that time, some Pharisees approached saying to him, Go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. And this is what Jesus said to him. I love what he says. He says, go and tell that fox. Go and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and I perform cures. Today, tomorrow, and the third day, I will reach my goal. And I, I like that. See, what he, what he, when he said, today, tomorrow, and the third day, I will reach my goal, that is a Jewish expression. It's like, in America, we have our expressions. Well, that's a blessing in disguise. Or, don't beat around the bush. Get to the point. 
Or we might say, uh, what's another one? Oh, bite the bullet. Come on, just bite the bullet. Let's get this thing done. You know, that's, those are American expressions. Well, this is an expression, a Jewish expression that's being said by Jesus. Today, tomorrow, and the third day means from now on until the job is finished, I'm going to be casting out devils and healing those and cure them of their illnesses. Those are the two things I'm going to be doing. So that's how Jesus started. That's how he continued and that's how he's ending it. So it's going to be continuing on. He's going to be casting out demons and curing the people. So his whole ministry from the beginning to the end included this major part of his life. So most of his ministry was healing the sick and casting out demons. So these two were intertwined. You can't you can't distinguish them or pull them apart. He said, this is what I'm doing. So tell Herod, you fox, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> so Jesus says, follow me. He says, follow me. And do what I've commanded you to do. And then the last commission of the disciples, when we look at Matthew 10, he summoned his 12 disciples together, his 10. Oh, no, his, Matthew 10, verse 1. He summoned his disciples, his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Notice the first thing that he did. What is the first thing that he did for his disciples? Exactly. He gave them authority to deal with the evil spirits. It was included in their equipment. It was included in their arsenal. It was included in the commission. It was a part of what he, was, he told them to do. And then Luke 10, we read about the 70 who went out. And guess in verse 17, look at this. Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Woohoo! We had so much fun. You know what they said? They came back and were filled with joy. And this is what they said. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's what they got excited about. He said, yeah, I said, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. So in that they were so pumped that they had been given authority. So what impressed them the most was the authority that they were given over demons. And then let's look at Mark 16, 15 real quick, and then we'll end. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they shall cast out demons. The very first thing that he says that we as his believers are going to be casting out demons. Do you think if that is the first thing that he told his disciples that they would be doing, that that is something that is important for us today to understand? Do you think that God's battle plan has changed since the Great Commission? Has anything changed in the book? Have we been given new orders in the book? Is there, is there a way that we can massage it and make it work differently for us? Or change it a little bit because that just doesn't sound really nice. You know, the reality is, is that when he gave this commission, it was a command and he hasn't changed his command. So the reality is this is to be our assignment as well. And then when we make 
disciples, we are to disciple them in understanding you have authority over all demons. So in that, we're walking out the Great Commission, sharing the good news, preaching the kingdom, but also casting out demons. So Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He told them to teach their disciples everything he taught them. And then those disciples are to teach everything he taught them. So we're to pass this on is to multiply as we make disciples. We need to teach them that we have been given authority all the way to the end of the age, to the return of Christ. So there's no new game plan. I'm glad Jesus kept it real simple. But we got to remember, this is a command that God has given us that we are to be walking out. So he's made no provision for a process for this to be changed. We got to harness this, believe this, and understand this. This is to be about the ministry that you and I are involved in now. So I think the tragedy is, is that the church has departed from it. Honestly, I don't see this happening. I don't see this going on. We really like more seeker-friendly messages than this. We like things that tickle our ears to make us feel good. We don't like the messages that talk about the reality of, of the demonic realm. And the truth is, we need to come back in alignment with the kingdom of God and what he is saying for our lives. Next week, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give some more general teaching just in the nature of demons and the ways that you can know if they're at work in your life or if they're at work in other people's lives. I think it's important that, you know, we smoke out what's maybe there and see what's inside or in other people so we can know what we're dealing with. Um, you know, a lot of times, I think what we do in the body of Christ is that we try to do sin management when we really have maybe demonic activity that's going on. We like, we try to get rid of the bad fruit, you know, but the reality is when you got bad fruit, you got to go to the root. You know, this isn't sin management. You, you can't manage a demon. You got to tell it where to go. You can't just be tiptoeing through the tulips thinking, now don't hurt me. You know, the reality is, is that the enemy does not have your best interests at heart. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Those are those three things that he's doing. So we can't think that, you know, this is just going to be something we can just turn our head and think, oh, he'll leave me alone. I don't want to make him mad at me. The reality is he hates you. And he wants you. So, remember, his greatest torment is not having a body. He's looking for a body. If he can't find a body, he'll find a, an animal. So, we got to understand, at the end of this, there's good news. I want to read 1 Corinthians 15, 57 over you, and I want us to say this out loud. I want to read it first. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to say that with me out loud. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.